1: flushcarecom slash weight loss. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Strike Culture Podcast. I am your host, Sean Ferrick, and we're going to get very excited with this gentleman in, I think, April of 2024. What year is it? I don't know. Elias two Texas, how are you?
0: Hey, how are you?
1: I'm nice good. To be here. I'm good. It's, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Because I know, um, like, you said yes to this so long ago, and thank you so much for still saying yes to this because I think life just got in the way. So thank you so much.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no problem. I love your. Uh... I mean, I've been following Trek culture for a while because I'm a big Trek fan. Uh, so I know you guys. And um, I was like, oh, I want to work. I want to I want these guys to know about me. Oh, 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 we do. Because before I go
1: any further, I have a couple of quick messages. One is from our writer, Jack Kiley, who thinks you're just the best. Uh, <laughs> and is just it loves Samco. That's the next one as well. Chris Thompson is, I think, if they have they have done rankings for Starfield fans yet, I think he's looking down on whoever they call number one because he's <laughs> so high up there. Uh, but both yeah. of them are so excited and so grateful for you to be in on this pod. So thank you on behalf of them and thank you on behalf of me as well.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks.
1: So what's happening in the end of Star Trek Discovery Season 5? Full plot details, please.
0: Uh, everyone dies and uh, the universe right. exp- implodes upon itself and then Absolutely starts good. fresh.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So thus yeah. destroy and, and retroactively destroying all of Star Trek yeah, history. Then no well. it won't definitely. be able to get it anywhere.
0: No, nothing so starts all over again. I like it. It's a bold move, but I like <laughs> it. New, a new novel is coming out where it's the <laughs> big, the new big bang. And then Star Trek starts all over again. That's what happens.
1: Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I love it. And, and, and also I, I can't wait to see the comments for whoever's just like, I can't believe they're doing that. That's really ridiculous. It's like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know we do have to be careful. I've learned that a lot. You know, you make, you make something up and uh, people think it's people run with it. My favorite thing is, is like, I'll tweet some nonsense about something and then, then two days later there's an article about it on um, whatever whatever project that somebody wrote an article about I'm like I, I i said that as a joke <laughs> you gotta be careful uh, these days
1: gen- like genuinely do you ever like because because you're right like you know everyone will say something you get picked up by somewhere it gets spread somewhere else and i'm not saying i'm innocent of it either i'm, I'm definitely not but do you ever catch yourself just getting now why is that person to me oh no what what do i said what's happened what articles come out
0: yeah, I get. Um, my agent obviously has like a little uh, alert for whenever my name comes up in the news, and every time I, I just see forwards from my agents like Google alert, Google. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> I don't know what did I say? What? And I'm never going to say anything bad. I hope you know. I try to. Uh, I try to be careful. Um, I really avoid politics, and I really avoid that stuff. I have strong opinions about it all, but I kind of avoid it. Uh, on social media so whatever I say it's usually something that has to do with some project I'm in or some silly thing that uh had, I have coming up and then it, somebody somebody runs with it and makes a whole article out of it but that's the that's the way it is now and I don't know I don't really mind it's just the more people that are talking about me the more people hopefully learn about me and want to hire me that's all that really comes down to in the end uh, you know like I completely appreciate
1: that, obviously, because like you know, uh, you know, you are an actor who gets to work in some of the best things ever. And we're so excited, and you also are a human being who needs to eat, pay rent, and you have a family to support. So, like, yeah, that makes perfect sense
0: in a really expensive part of the world. It's really uh, that's why the SAG strike was interesting to me because of the initial reactions to the strike, people like, oh, look at all these rich actors, uh, you know, wanting more money. It's like it's not really that. It's like. Um, no, I mean, I'm trying to say this without sounding like a, a brag or anything, but I make six figures a year as an actor and I still go like, well, I'm so worried about next year. You know what I mean? Because you're always, it's so expensive to live here, but then the catch 22 is you have to live here or in, in a major hub, you know what I mean? So it's like it's not easy to do this. I'm not complaining. It's it's, it's a great job. And I would want, not want to do anything else. But it's not like I think 1% of the actors are like millionaires. The rest of us are just work day. You know, we want contracts. We're contract workers. So we want contracts that will last us X amount of time, X amount of X amount of money. And then you should go, okay, i gotta make this stretch till my next contract. That's really all it is.
1: That's one thing that like, I think in some way, the, the, the strike has been really positive for that, for, for more people understanding that, that Hope yes, so. there's your, you know, there's your Tom yeah. Hanks of the world. There's your, you know, your Julia Roberts, you know, who, who was on Graham Norton the last week. But then, and that's great. But you know their individual names. And I mean, like towns like LA are, everyone's an actor because everyone is working and trying to get into the, the Almost industry. Almost everyone's at
0: least in the business. Yeah, in the Yeah.
1: Industry.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, 90% of the people you see on TV, even guys with big roles like me, I, you know, big, I've been very fortunate, but even those, you know, it's like, you don't get paid a fortune for them. You, and and when, when people look at it and they, they say, well, this is what, look at what you got paid. It's a lot. I go, yeah, it's a lot for the day, but I got to make that last until my next, like, it's not like I become independently wealthy every time I do a TV show, you know, so it's not, uh, it's a job, it's work you got to make it work and you're getting paid for your time but you're also in a way getting paid for all the auditions you're doing and all the driving you're doing and all the rehearsing you're doing and all that stuff that you don't actually get paid for uh for and for the months where you're waiting you know it's just that's what it is but uh as long as you go in knowing that as an actor then you know you should be fine
1: there was a we, we did a a list there the other day um and it was it was actually a Uh, obituary list but uh, but person passed away well into their 90s had a great life but their their kind of their famous quote was you know I started acting in whatever it was because I just needed to make a quick book and no one was more surprised when I did and then that (laughs) became their form of income and it never really stopped and you're like yeah you're the one we all want to be why can't we all do that (laughs) you know
0: yeah Uh, you're looking back uh, you're gonna see a lot of actors who you're you're like uh, man I love that it happens with me especially I think because I'm I I very much appreciate the art form so I'll see an actor like Andre Brouwer just passed right Andre one of my heroes as an actor um he got really popular near the end of his career with um Brooklyn 99 but um you know he was in movie after movie after movie and TV show after TV show and you I mean near the end of his career he probably banked a lot of a lot of cash. But this first few years you look at him and it's like that's what he is. He's a working actor. He's a genius working or he was a genius working actor. And I, I always see guys like that and I look back fondly on those uh on those type of actors. They're all over Star Trek. Like oh, all yeah. over Star Trek.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah I mean like I, I love and of course now you can confirm that every person who's ever had a role in Star Trek ever is now a multi multi-millionaire oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know will never Swim want for money again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the, you do try to hope that you get you know to ride the wave a little while you know like with comic cons and and uh appearances and stuff like that depending on how well received your characters are uh so you de- there are definitely are perks to being on the show um i haven't ex- i've uh, slightly experienced them so far but the character's not out yet um but i know they're they're coming i know i'm gonna be able to do comic cons and go to cities that i would not go to and things like that and that's great but you know those cities aren't paying me a million dollars each <laughs> not exactly uh the fortune but you know I I've met and worked now or been at comic cons and events and strike lines with pretty much every member of the Star Trek cast that's out there all the next generation guys I've met and hung out with uh all the Picard people i got friendly with and the strange New world's people I'm friendly with because oh, we're up on the same area the same sets Uh, not the same sets but the same part of town
1: of course
0: they shoot in in Toronto too um so you become friendly with all these guys and then half of them are doing Comic-Cons or bumping into each other and doing Comic-Cons together and stuff like that so we're all just trying to make a buck I mean those guys those next generation original cast these guys will make money forever off of that but they deserve it they worked eight ten years 12 years seven years of the show and then four movies and then another, then another show. Uh, yeah, they can dine off of that forever, and I hope they do. And they're all great, to a man. Like, each one of them is... They're all so sweet and nice, real people.
1: Like, one of the things... I'm just enjoying sitting here as a fan hearing this because, you know... You are very much the star here, and I am so happy to have you here. And you're talking the way I would talk. I got to meet some of these people. was like, they're just so nice, and it's so nice to meet them. And everything. It's like, It
0: really is. I mean, I'm a fan first. It's it's funny because it's always perception, right? Like, dude, I, I can't show you, but, like, the stuff you have behind you, I have on a shelf, like, right here outside my sound booth. Um, like, my enterprise is right there. And there's Kirk from the motion picture and a Romulan warbird I bought at the Vegas Comic-Con right there. Um because I I'm a fan first and I grew up just I grew up loving Star Trek my I wasn't obviously I wasn't alive when the original show aired but um you know what I remember the most is when I was a kid um my dad has three brothers so I have three uncles so my dad and his brothers my uncles and I would get together and they were used to do uh marathons they used to do like i don't remember what channel it was like pbs or something like that but it was the top six best star trek episodes and it was all day you know trouble with triples uh sitting uh, on the edge of forever and, uh, i was gonna say spock's brain but no uh <laughs> <laughs> like all the great episodes and, we, and i would just sit there and it would be like a star trek day and i would just take it all in and i adored that show i still adore that show um and then next generation of course you know I was still a kid but I fell into that and then I got hooked on that show and to me honest to God the um Star Trek II, the Genesis trilogy there two three and four mm. and then six also anything by Nicholas Meyer um those movies mean so much to me that they're like I feel like they're part of my DNA You know, like there's so Star Trek 2 in particular is just like such a part of what I love about filmmaking, about acting, about like Shatner is for all the flack that Shatner gets about being like an over actor. He is an incredible actor and he's great in that movie. Absolutely great. And uh, also very nice to me. He's always been nice to me. Um, But yeah, my my point of all this, my long, long, rambling, long winded point is that uh, I'm a fan first because that literally was the order of how it happened I just grew up loving these things so when um when I got on the show it, I think I said this to Sinequa. Sinequa, like every time you rap as an actor give a little speech right so after like four or five months um uh, my character rapped and then Sonequa was like well you want to say anything to everybody and I was like you know that you throw around this everybody throws around this expression that uh, this is a dream come true but in that case, it was literally a dream come true. Like I'm, I'm a badass bad guy on Star Trek. I'm shooting phasers. I have my own ship. I'm like getting in fights and 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 uh, space battles and and phaser shut phaser fights and you know, all sorts of. Cra- I'm trying not to give anything away, but all sorts of crazy cool stuff. And 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 I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. There's footage of me that I used to do this thing this this Star trek thing of uh, when I was a kid we used to film Star Trek episodes in the oh, basement me and all my buddies I still have the footage yeah. you know, so the, that kind of stuff is like it kind of it's a trip when that happens so yeah, I am really just just a fan in the end uh and and it, it's just a it's a it's um a thing other people put on to these like when you see a celebrity or somebody in a show. It's other it's our thing that we put onto them. Like, oh my God, you're on the show. You are so cool. But most of the time, especially nowadays, we're like, I know, I'm I'm just as freaked out about it as you are. Like that kind of thing. And then when you go out and meet, you know, when you go out and meet these people and you're like, you know, like uh just as an example, like I think uh, Brent Spiner is hilarious. And I've known him for a few years before I was on Star Trek, because we had just done this, we had done this event together. And, uh, and, um, it was great to meet him and he's really funny and really, uh, like has a sardonic wit that I love and we get along, we have a very similar sense of humor. And I just saw him a few months ago and he remembered me. And then we talked about, um, now I had like a frame of reference. We talked about, uh, wearing contact lenses and how much it oh, friggin yeah. sucks. And uh, and he's like, oh, my God, it's the worst. And ever since then, he loves me because he knows that like we suffer. I know what he suffered through. And I'm like, and you did it for seven years. I did it for six months so I can I can imagine. Or when I met um, Armin Shimmerman, who is now like the greatest, like one of my one of my most close Star Trek friends. I love Armin. Uh, I met him at a strike line and then I saw him in Vegas at the, at the big Comic Con. But and we talked about makeup. We talked about getting, you know, sitting in the makeup chair. And how I had to do four and a half hours, and he had to do two hours. But he had teeth, and I didn't. So you like you you uh, do those things where you like kind of. And I had contacts, and he didn't wear contacts. So you're like, oh, you bastard, you didn't have to wear contacts. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you bastard, you didn't have to wear teeth. I'm like that kind of stuff was is, is great. And and Armin's, uh, Armin's an amazing guy. Uh, they're so it's, it's so kind. Like a lot of these people are just very very kind and and uh, like um. William Shatner for me, because I grew up such a giant fan of the show and the movies, like I said. Um, Shatner and I grew up in literally the same neighborhood. In so that much.
1: Because you're both Canadian, obviously, but Canada's a yeah. big country. So
0: Yeah. So there's a eastern part of the country, Montreal and Quebec. we both grew up we both grew up there. But not only that, we grew up in the same part of it, the same neighborhood. Uh, so the first time I met him. Many years ago or like or not that many maybe eight or nine years ago uh at a comic-con of course i brought up that we we're in the same neighborhood and he was very kind to me and it was the first time in my life really except when i've met like sports figures or people outside of the industry but it was the first time in my life where i was like i got a high from meeting somebody like i left there like on a high i'm like shatner was i just met william shatner like i've admired this man forever and um <laughs> the only issue is every time i meet him since then about four or five times since then he has no idea who i am and then i then i remind him and then he goes oh yeah 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 and then we super friendly again Uh, i mean you can imagine as an example of of what this guy has to go through when when i was at the the first time i met him was in i think it was in texas i was at a comic-con in texas in austin texas and i had my line this is before Star Trek, so I didn't have any Star Trek people. But I had my line of like, you know, 20 or 30, 50 people. He had his line. He was a, a couple tables down from me of, you know, 300 people mm-hmm. that he had to sign. And he just kept going. And he has so much energy. And at the time, he's, you know, 88 or something. And he's signing. He's signing over and over, being super nice and friendly and signing and signing. It's going quick because he's a pro at this point. And then he goes... To the green room, I watch him leave and go backstage, go to the green room. And I'm like, well, this is my opportunity to go meet him. So I go to the green room. And by the time I get to the green room, he has a lineup of people in the green room who are waiting to talk to him. So imagine what this guy's life is like. He leaves uh, 500 fans, goes to the back, and he has you know, 20 people waiting, literally waiting in a line to have a conversation with him where he's supposed to be relaxing. Uh, so you kind of get it that when he meets me, I have to remind him who I am because he meets 500 people a day, but he's always been kind to me. And, uh, I, I literally just saw him a couple months ago. We talked about Montreal again and, uh, uh, all these people have been kind to me. I haven't had a bad experience with Star Trek yet, yet. I hope they will. never. I uh, never will. Everyone's everyone's cool. And like I said, to, to, to wrap this up, not the podcast, but this part of the story, um, almost everyone is is just a working actor you have your big giant stars patrick stewart william shatner J- jonathan frakes also because he's such a big director now um you know guys but everybody kind of on down they were just working actors so there's an immediate connection that we have with each other that i think um is is why everyone gets along so well because you're just like well what's your next job i don't know i hope i get this i hope we get that you know, like we're not none of them are starving actors, but they're just working actors. They're just and they're all great people and they just want to work hard. And they want to do a good job. It's it's really um, it's really something being a fan and then getting thrown into that mix. You know, it's really fascinating. And I think it's just going to keep going. Is there
1: like is there a moment or is there just an overall feeling of because talking to you, you know if down to earth needed a poster boy it's you but <laughs> and yet also this massive massive star trek fan is there a feeling even going for the audition is there like i cannot mess this one up more so even than just the professionalism of it's a job i'm not gonna mess it up anyway sure. do you know what i mean
0: It's kind of as i get older it kind of leans towards the latter like it's just a, it's a job and it's something mm-hmm. i love but but um I'll tell you a quick story in the third episode of the first season of Discovery I played one of the prisoners that brings Michael Burnham to the ship yeah and I get in a fight with her in the mess hall okay so here's a quick story about how that happened so I was living in Toronto at the time and when you're an actor living in a certain place this is why you come to LA or New York because kind of everything gets cast here and then goes to wherever they're going to shoot when you're an actor living in a place that they shoot most stuff comes in precast. so you kind of hope that there's a role that you can play and at that point in my career i had, I was living in toronto and i had um i had a bunch of guest star roles like big guest stars like on supernatural and a bunch on smallville and yeah. alphas and just like big big roles where the episode is about the guest star so in my mind that's what it was it was like uh, that's what the guest star was the episode was about the guest star so, Star Trek comes to town. It's the first Star Trek show in forever. I'm freaking out. I'm like, I got to get on the show. I have to get on this show. And I um, tell him, call my agent. I'm like, dude, I'm a giant Star Trek fan. You got to get me an audition for a guest star on this. I know that the regulars are all covered because they cast them out of LA, but you got to get me a guest star on this. And keep in mind, the guest star to me is what the episode's about. That's how my brain goes because that was my experience. So, he does get me an audition. I go to audition for the casting director Lisa Pearson, one of my favorite people and the sides the sides meaning the script that they give you it's kind of um it's not really from the episode because for security purposes so they just want to kind of give you whatever you could feel and it was about being in a shuttle and something going wrong and then I was trying to repair it there's a lot of Star Trek jargon which I was like nailing because I love Star Trek mm-hmm. and so I, I booked the role and I'm so happy. I still remember I was pushing a grocery cart with my daughter in it. <laughs> and I got my call from the like, okay, you're going to be on Star Trek. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. And he's like, by the time you get home, you'll get the script. But it's just going to be your stuff. Because again, because of security, they're only sending you your stuff. So I get home. I go through all these security measures, which was crazy. I get my stuff. It's eight pages out of 60. I'm like, "What? what is this? I'm like, am I getting only my one scene or is it like, is more stuff coming? It's the guest star. And like, well, they're calling it a guest star, but this is all you're doing. And I was like, what the... F-? And I knew right then that if I take this role, I'm going to burn myself on this show because the storylines in Star Trek, at least in Discovery, once you're a character, that's your character. Yep. You can't... Like on Smallville, I played three different bad guys over 10 years. Mm. You know, like, they don't, they don't do that on Star Trek. And I knew that, and I was, I tried to get out of doing the role. Because I was like, I'm going to burn myself on the Star Trek show for this eight-page role. And I love Star Trek, and now I'm going to kill myself on the show. I couldn't as get out of it. As well, like,
1: this is the first Star Trek in forever. And at this point, yeah. no Strange New Worlds, no, yeah. like,
0: you know. No other like, thing. This, this was the one. Yeah, so I was, I tried to get out of it. I couldn't get out of it at least not without you know pissing some people off so I ended up doing it I had a fine time Sonequa was amazing even on by the in the first season third episode she's already amazing uh, as a person I mean um and all my scenes were with her so yeah that was that was cool but the whole time I was like I can't believe I'm burning myself on this show and then by the time the show aired it had been cut down even more mm-hmm. so like the 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 character really went from like I don't know, eight pages to three. And it's was basically like a co star, like a tiny little role that I would never have auditioned for if I had known. So I was so upset with that show. I was so mad. Uh, and I didn't watch it for a while because I was like, I can't. I'm just going to burn myself on this show. And when I moved out to LA, I called Lisa Patterson, who's the Canadian casting director, and Orly Siddowitz, who's the American casting director. And I said, Look, I'm in LA now. If ever there's anything on any of these shows, That I can play. Uh, I know I'd have to go under prosthetic because my face is already there for the most part, Um, but I'm willing to do that. Let me know. And they both said, Yeah, 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 we'll keep you in mind. Now, I can tell you from an actress' point of view, they always say that. Of course. You're always like, it just goes away and never happens. But last year in March, I think it was, I had a call. And it was Orly Sidowitz wants to talk to you. And she's the casting director. And I call her back and she says, I think we want you to play this role, this.
1: So straight away, kind of it's the role that's not like, there, there, there's no like, oh, we're, you know, we'd love to see you back again. Or there's a list of roles. up for. was like, no, La'ak, we would like you yeah. for the role.
0: They, we want you, basically what they said was, it's kind of a Bonnie and, I'm trying not to give anything away. I think I don't think it does, it's kind of a Bonnie and Clyde thing between Lack and Maul. Mm -hmm. those two characters they're kind of the Bonnie and Clyde of the uh reverse that (laughs) lack is the Clyde obviously um all the Bonnie, and um they're like we kind of want that and they're looking for like a Sean pen type and that's like exactly what I what I am and what I do Uh, and they said we're pitching you for the role we're not even gonna audition you we're just this is the we want you for this and I did have to put myself on tape to convince the producers, but the two, but it wasn't a, a straight audition. Like I didn't have to audition and then hope. It was uh, these casting directors wanted me. They said, "Just do this, so I can I can use it to convince the producers," and that's what they did. So it was pretty much an offer, like a direct offer. So for them to actually come through is incredible. That never happens. Almost never happens. And and for a major character where it's like the had to say to call him the, the bad guy of the season but he's throughout the season and he's one of the main antagonists um he he and Maul and um so anyway what I was trying to say was like I didn't really audition for lack it mm-hmm. was more of a it was more of kind of a kind of, a, kind of an offer but it did become very businessy because now I got two kids and you know cars and so it was like at the, at that point I remember actually I almost turned it down because of the initial money that they offered and i was like it's not worth it for me to, to to spend this time and and then they i think they just upped their offer a little bit they weren't paying me a fortune or anything but it was enough that i was like okay this makes this makes sense now and thank god because i really really wanted to say yes um
1: and, and the size point, they you... gave
0: me to read for the producers weren't even from the new sh- season it was like sides from season three or something but they had the they had the show i had to show that i can these different levels and stuff like that and uh yeah and that was that was how that happened and then they then we started makeup process
1: so that was actually so that was going to be my next question is so you're because you mentioned already you know like all right if i come back it's going to have to be in prosthetics because my face is out there so like initially because now obviously going by the character images and going by the trailers it looks like you're effectively wearing a helmet for six months of your life um and we spoke to it was noah uh, who was in season three and had to wear that Andorian makeup? And he was just uh, I remember saying like, you know, would you come back? And he's like, I think about it. Uh,
0: that's that's <laughs> like, not how that's was it? it? Was not fun. Um, it's not so much. So the 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 way the lack makeup worked was it was definitely a big hood that went around my head, like that went down like this, and my face was clear. And there was pieces on my face, so you can see me kind of through the the makeup pretty well, mm. which is great my nose is different, obviously, because it has a big brow. But, um, you know, from from my eyes on down to here, it's all just me, basically with a little bit of green, um, kind of very thin prosthetics. So thin that like I had to shave and I don't like shaving, because I feel like I look really, really young when I shave. Right. Yeah. So I, I do I never I never like it. Um, so I tried to fight that. And they're like, No, it's too thin, you have to, you have to shave. So it is me. And then the, the makeup is heavy. So it took on a good day, it took like three and a half hours. On a normal day, it took about four and a half hours to get on. And then there were a couple episodes where I had uh, no gloves on. Most of the time I wore gloves. Uh, so they had to make up my hands. And that took an extra like hour and a half. So it was like five, six hours some of those days. Um, but believe it or not, that's not the problem. I'm not working when I do that. Yeah, I got to show up, but I'm just sitting there. Like, they're, they have a harder job. The people that are doing the makeup, they have the work. I'm just sitting there. Like, sometimes, I, I kind of timed times where I was like, okay, you're working on this part, I can sleep. You know, like, I, at the beginning, I can't sleep because I have to sit up. And then once they start doing that, I'm like, I can sleep. And then when they paint, I can sleep. So, it's not really that. The trouble with the makeup is wearing it for a subsequent 11 hours after you've sat for four and a half hours to put it on. And then trying to eat. Uh, that kind of stuff is very difficult, and then the contact lenses make it exceedingly difficult. So you're never comfortable. You're never ever comfortable.
1: Like, is there any point where, let's say, you say Eaton, So you know, can you obviously not get out of makeup? But like things like, can you take the contact lenses out for a while? Or the
0: contacts, the contacts come out when we. Well, I have a, I had a team. I had, I had a girl named Alana, who was uh, kind of my contact lens girl, contact lens lady, and we would judge. You know, if the, if the if they were not going to be on my face if they were going to shoot from this way I, I don't have to wear the contacts if uh, like things like that so they, they we took them out and put them back in all the time but sometimes like take putting them back in was worse like there's times where I'm just like just leave them <laughs> just leave them even though I can't really see uh because taking them out and putting them back in is so uncomfortable um uh, there was uh episode five again without giving anything away is really heavy with my character I uh, they, they kind of go into the backstory of my character and stuff like that. And there was about a weekend of shooting that where the contact lens people uh, refused to let me wear them for a couple of days. Cause they were just, that my eyes started getting really, really irritated. And so they had to, they're going to have to CG. They're probably working on it right now. As we speak, you have to CG my eyes to look like the contact lens, but it's so expensive. I did feel bad, but then Doug Jones told me, it's like, that happened to me too all the time so don't worry about it <laughs> so that made uh, me feel better
1: it must it's sim- yeah. it simply must um
0: um but it was it, it was it was tough um you never get to take you get to the contact lenses out you never get to take the make- makeup makeup off because it's just too much of a process to put back on um and then you know there were costumes <laughs> that episode in particular there's one costume that's just like it was so heavy and it was just I remember going like this is exhausting this is really exhausting but again when it's when it's over like at the time you're like this is really exhausting and then when it's over you're like yeah but you know I'm a badass on Star Trek like I'm not gonna you don't it's a first world problem it really really is um would I do it again yes but they would have to pay me more because it does you end up starting to do like it's so difficult that you end up going like okay I need Like, I need this to be compensated better than, not that they paid me poorly or anything, but when you do the math, you're like, I need to be compensated better if I'm going to come back because I need an incentive (laughs) because it is really, really difficult and people don't realize it. It's funny, you know, Doug Jones is so affable in real life. He's such a lovely man. Like, uh, you were saying the down-to-earth thing with me. If you could pick, like, the nicest possible way of a human being presenting themselves, that's Doug Jones. Like, just he is the sweetest. And I spent a lot of time with him. We had the same uh, Comic-Con agent. So Ah, we're we're spending a lot of time together at these cons. And I've known him for for years. And just, like, the sweetest man alive. I think he would win that contest. You know, the sweetest man alive. And you see him on set after a 10-hour day. Still very sweet and very respectful. But, like, not the Doug Jones you know. He's exhausted He's very his sentences are very short. He's like just really really tired after one day. And I remember seeing him before I went through the makeup, and going, "Wow, he's really. I mean, he must be having a bad day because he normally so bright and. And then you realize, no, 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 it's just he's tired. And he has to wear other things that I didn't have to wear, like those shoes and the uh, his his hands are not made up; they're actual gloves that you can't take off because they're so tight. And he has contacts and he has them. like so it's like it's really, really, really hard work. Uh, But again, you know, when it's over, you're really glad you did it at the time. It's you know, you're there at two thirty in the morning and you're exhausted already and you have you're going to be working until 10 p.m. It's hard.
1: You know, we're, we're getting we're getting jittery. We're we're now used to having so much Star Trek, and now that we have this big gap and this big break, or like, right?
0: yeah. and you have Probably the why added... they pushed it to April. Yeah, oh my god, they know oh, yeah. that they know we're doing that
1: too. <laughs> it's um, marketing. How much warning, if any, did you get when you heard? Oh, this is the last season, by the way, because I know it I well, was I know- done by
0: then. I was done. I had uh, without giving anything away. I, I'm not in the tenth episode. final episode. Kind okay,
1: of, so you'd wrapped. You were kind
0: of not. I'd wrapped. I'd wrapped. It's hard to explain, but I had kind of not in it, but I had wrapped hmm. uh, and I was home. And then we got an email from everybody and it said, it was from Paramount, and they said, Paramount's decided this is going to be the last season, so we're going to go back up and finish some stuff. And they gave enough money to finish. Uh, I, this is all out there, so I'm not getting any yeah, spoilers. Yeah, later, yeah. But they, gave, they gave a little bit of money to finish it up. And it has nothing to do with me, but I did get to, to uh, talk to um, uh, Michelle Paradise, who was the writer and producer, and she explained what they did. And it's great. It's a really nice, beautiful ending. Uh, but it was a surprise. There's no doubt about that. It was a surprise. Uh, I think they thought they were going a few more seasons or at least one or two more seasons. I remember there um, being just
1: interviews along the way, and it was, oh, you know, this is you know seven seasons touchwood hopefully it'll go well, and then these things just and they seem to change overnight. I'm sure there's I big don't know decisions. why
0: I don't know why the big decision happened, but uh l- looking at it, it's going to be a good like it's gonna wrap up really well, and the season is really like this is the thing about this season i think I think what happened with with the show is um they they one thing I, I appreciate about Discovery, whether people like it or dislike it, uh, and trust me, I'm a giant Star Trek fan. There are things in Discovery that I don't like, sure. you know, like going through it. Um, but one thing I always appreciated about it was, hey, let's take these giant leaps of, of ideas, and we're going to make this up this season. Let's throw three thousand years in the future, or whatever the number is. Like, let's throw away in the future why not and then you get all these different ships and all these different and what what's the Federation like and all that stuff like the burn was fascinating whether you liked how it ended or if you didn't like how it ended, whatever it was like a great it was a really interesting idea and then in the the fourth season they slowed everything down and did that kind of Star Trek the motion picture thing and it's coming in and everything's slow and and then I think they said okay we did the slow thing last season so let's go the other way this season Mm -hmm. so my season is like pure adventure from episode one to ten it's just like there's chases and battles and, and and there's still all the Star Trek stuff there's a lot one thing I really love and I hope this is okay that I say this there's um there are two really big callbacks to previous shows uh in terms of the storyline like big callbacks and uh, so as a fan I was like oh I love this like this is cool and like they would show me the script and I'd be like, "Oh, you're bringing that back," or "Oh, you're doing this," like that kind of thing. So, uh, just as a fan, I'm, I was I was really excited about that. So, I honestly think, and I'm not I'm not just saying this because I'm in it. I feel like this season is is just so much fun, and they really really pushed it into this other direction. I think they also, you know, saw how how Stranger Worlds went pretty pretty big and fun, and mm-hmm. I think they're like, "Let's try that now." Because we did this and we've done this and we've done this. Let's go crazy, fun too um and there's there's a lot of really fun episodes and you know like i my characters in the whole thing pretty much uh but uh and again michelle already said this so i don't think it's a spoiler but they they're kind of splitting it where they're doing the overarching story hmm. but also within that overarching story there are standalone episodes like strange new worlds right. uh so the overarching story kind of is there all the time there are a couple episodes that i'm not in that are just like a standalone really cool adventure episode and uh, they do that and then they come and then by the end of the episode there's a little button with me or something like that you know sure. like that kind of thing. You know, and yeah. then the next episode all about me and then that kind of that kind of stuff so uh i think they're really finding a uh, a good balance this season it's gonna be really a lot of fun i think
1: i'm really excited for it because i think yeah our our kind of consistent hope for season five is as you say like we did the slow and the heavy and yeah. you know a lot to love in it's season definitely four. not that you know but so that's why I'm 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 excited for this. Um, I love I love as well. I mean, just the the simple fact that Eve's character like Mall the, this the first straight away. I'm just like, oh my god, it's gonna be Lack and Harley Quinn. I can't wait for this. It's gonna be like
0: kind of you know, yeah yeah. It's I'm true. really excited. Except Lack is not the Joker. He's not crazy. He's very stoic and tough. Uh, he's not big and crazy. Um, but here's the thing. So again, without giving anything away. My favorite thing about playing this character was I'm trying to figure out how to not give away spoilers. This is not just a bad guy that is evil throughout. They go into why he's doing what he's doing and mall too and why they love each other and how they fall in love and and all that stuff is at least in my case, I played it completely genuine. so it's it's a genuine love they have for each other and they just want to do what they're going to do, and they want the Federation off their tail. Uh, that's what the story is about from our point of view. So there are there's so many moments of love and romance and also moments of fear and doubt. And so it's not just him being angry all the time and evil. It's it's really like he's a layered. They're both layered characters and they really get into that as we go as the, the season goes forward and um, you know sacrifices and uh backs battle and, and battles and fights and love true love <laughs> what does he say in princess bride all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what the season is from all in lack it's all the it's it's all that kind of fun great romance but but uh but still you know they still do they still do bad things and you have to justify why they're doing those bad things and but it's, it's all for love or it's all for the, cause they just want freedom and they want love and they want, it's like a whole, it's a whole, a whole layered, uh, thing. And it's great. It's really, really was fun to play. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how, how, um, how it turns out. Cause you know, as an actor, you do it and you're like completely out of your hands and you hope that they don't cut little things and, or they, you hope they take certain takes that you really liked. I'll tell you a quick story that you might be interested in. One thing that was really hard for me, because if you see any of my other on camera work, one thing I pride myself on is uh, naturalism, Mm -hmm. like realistic performances, trying not to look like I'm acting right as subtle as I can be. Can't do that when you're wearing a big mask and contacts. So the note that I would get over and over and over again was, could you be bigger? Could you just make that emotion bigger? Could you Uh make that thing bigger? And I always felt that I was being melodramatic. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, if I make this bigger, it's going to be like I'm on a soap opera. And I hate that. That's not me. And they're like, no, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. We're not going to let you. And I made them. It's funny. Every time a new director came on, I would sit down with them at the beginning of the episode. And I go, you have to promise me that when you start giving me the note to be bigger, you're not going to let me be like a soap opera big. Mm. Like I'm trusting you because I really don't have as much control as I usually have. Because usually it's all about my eyes and the very subtle movements, but I don't have any of that. So I have to exaggerate movements and I have to exaggerate my emotions. And I felt very often a few, uh, not very often, but a few times I felt, man, I'm I'm overplaying this. I'm yeah. way overplaying it. And most of the directors were like, I promise you, I'm not going to let you overplay it. Don't worry. And um I haven't seen the thing, the show yet, but I've seen a bunch of ADR. You know what ADR mm-hmm. is, yeah. I've seen a bunch of scenes from it when I went and did ADR before the strike, and uh, they're right. Everything that they that I was doing that I thought was over the top was actually like not perfect in terms of performance. I just mean like I'm not bragging about my performance, just in the perfect level, in the perfect level of where it needed to be to come across through the eye of my cup, um, because. Uh, Doug and uh, David, who plays the um, with the big eyes, the fish guy.
1: Oh, the 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 sorry, uh, uh Linus. Yeah,
0: Linus. Mm. Thank you. He said to me when I I was asking him about advice at the beginning. I'm like, any advice for you know playing in this big prosthetic? And he said, what you want to do is you want to make your whole body the prosthetic because you have to exaggerate. And I'm like, that's that's amazing yeah. advice. That's great advice. Well, here's the thing: it's great advice for him for me I was like why did you cast me that's how I felt that way because that's not me that's not what I do I'm very subtle and real that's what I try to be so I had to split the difference because lack is very kind of he's he's you know he's muscular he's big he's strong he's just that's what he is so he's not moving around like crazy and doing like Linus does Mm -hmm. and his body is very strict and straight especially in, in in those scenes in that episode uh where I had to do that really big emotion stuff um so I couldn't do that so I had to find a way to to get emotion out where I would normally just use my eyes and my voice and like subtle things in my face but I had to exaggerate them all but I couldn't do what David suggested which was like make it your old potty because that works for Linus and it probably works for Saru mm. like the way he walks and the way he moves but this guy's just a tank like I was, so it's not really that I can do that. I have to be still. And then I realize well, that's why they hired me. Because I they want they want a more still and Maul is is more of a like she's kind of the one who's doing all the karate kicks and I'm just punching people and things like that. Um uh although there are some great fight scenes in this. And uh it was fun. I, I fight Senequa, I get to I don't I can say, <laughs> I can say true, the no, people no. that I fight but no no but yeah I got there's a lot of a lot of cool uh, a lot of cool fighting like fist fight scenes and a lot of phasers fight scenes which was like I had my own fate dude I had my own phaser I had my own ship that's like freaking the hell
1: like I, I, I'm i sitting here delighted to hear all of this I'm also yeah. seething with jealousy but like in a nice <laughs> way you know what I mean like it was like yeah that's really happy for you yeah absolutely yeah, <fast>.
0: <laughs> I get it. I totally get it.
1: The, the the journey to season five has been, you know, this is, we we get the news. Okay. It's going to be the final season. We're reading this, but look, we're all going to pitch in together. We're going to do a big, massive overall crap. No one can talk about it.
0: I'm like, used to that uh, though. You knew I do, you know, I do game, a lot of video games. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, so, the life of video games. Like I worked so on Starfield for five years as a director and as an actor. I couldn't say anything. The trailer came out. My voice is in the trailer. Everybody on earth knows it's me. I still can't say anything. I'm getting like PC gamers emailing me and IGN is emailing me. And I'm like, I can't. Like, we know it's you. I'm like, I can't say anything.
1: So you're saying Uh, it's not you. I'm also not saying I can't say anything.
0: anything. Yeah, exactly. So I'm used to that kind of stuff. This this is particularly um, difficult because it's been pushed so often because of the strike. Like sure. this was supposed to happen. I I initially thought this would come up by like summer of this year of 2023. Because that's been the kind
1: of standard. I mean, Discovery yeah. generally kind of summerish. I, I think everybody thought that,
0: was... that. And then yeah. when they decided, this is pre-strike, but when they decided that they're going to make it the last season, I think the marketing teams, and this is just an assumption, I think the marketing team said, well, we'd like four or five months to build to this big finale, mm. um, which makes sense. And... um, so initially, I think before the strike it was going to be something like January or February, like Picard last year or this year. and um I think after the strike they're like, well, we need we need those four good months. So I think like they've already been calling me for you know different press things and press. Stuff like I was it. gonna say, yeah,
1: press if nothing else because I mean going into yeah. this final season, I would advertise the crap out of it to be honest. I
0: think they are they are going to and it's gonna be they're gonna do all the press and stuff and if they're calling me, they're 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 doing a lot of stuff. Because they have so many cast members that, like regular cast members that they have to deal with. So if I'm doing these things, then uh, yeah, we're going to do a lot of stuff over the next four, four or five months. Four months. Um,
1: there, you have to film something, obviously. Don't confirm anything, but you have to film something where you sit there with a whole bunch of cast and you go, killed you, killed you, killed you, killed.
0: <laughs> Or at least like hurt you, hurt you. Yeah. you. <laughs>
1: it's like, just like, you know, kind of draw a bruise on something. That was me. Yeah, yeah. That was um, but, I mean, because it's, it's I mean, it, in, in, in so many ways for, for as, as legitimately like We've talked about, you know, the prosthetic process where it's you sit there for five hours before you film a, set, a thing of anything. And even you're obviously you're so, you know, my and humble to say, look, you're not working technically. But you are because you have to be there in the morning at three o'clock in the morning. You have to be sat in the chair yeah, as yeah. well. So I t- I also totally understand. And I think a lot of people now, particularly I, I reckon followers of this channel, the people who do, they they read the behind the scenes, they enjoy this kind of thing as well. Yes, there is the excitement of I will take absolutely anything Star Trek offers me. There's no question, it's grand. But at the same time, you have value, you have worth. Your time has value. Your energies have value. So that makes perfect sense that you would say like, yeah, we'll yeah. bring you back for the the Laak and Mall spin off. And we'll we'll talk. We'll, talk, we'll yeah, negotiate. Yeah, yeah. You know? Especially,
0: I mean, to be fair, I mean, if if this was the beginning of my career, I'd be like, give me anything. I don't care. Of but, you know, I've been doing this almost twenty years now, and it's like you, know, you got to pay me. You know, also, it's just so freaking expensive to live here, and I got two kids. It's like you got to pay me what I need to live. I don't. I, dude, this is a little bit of an off-topic thing, but I'll go food shopping, and I'll I'll honestly say, how does anyone? Who's not making six figures? Make a like survive. Yep, in this town, it's, like,
1: it's, it's there's like forums of you know how what shop you can go to or how you can make laundry detergent, how you can stretch that over yeah. x amount of time, and it but it, that it weird, a thing, That's right? what it is now. But yeah, like, it's
0: it's incredible. It's crazy. So so yeah. When I, I I've I've long gone past the idea of like. Don't be selfish. Don't, I mean, I'm not gonna be selfish, but don't be like, don't ask for too much money. Don't be like, I've gone, I've that's all oh, those days are over. I have too many things to. I get. You'd be amazed how many requests I get from like little video game companies, You're like, Hey, could you just do our trailer? And I'm like, all right, so this is how much money I get paid to do a trailer. And they're always like, Oh, I can't afford that. Like call me when you can afford it. Like, I would love to be able to do it, but dude. I have my this is what I do. You know who yeah, you should look this up. So Harlan Ellison, also a star Trek oh, yeah. action. He has this great video uh that he did um I don't know like 20 years ago or something. But he ta- <laughs> he talks about paying the writer. You should look it up on YouTube, just so like Harlan Ellison, pay the writer. Okay. And Harlan Ellison, as you know, was a grumpy old dude, like really super grumpy. Don't
1: watch you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and uh, but I love those guys. Um and um he talks he's like basically can i curse on this thing yeah sure basically he's like you pay me like you they were they were basically said said something like he got uh warner brothers reached out to him to use an interview he did for babylon Mm five and they and he said yeah you got but you got to pay me and and warner brothers like we have to pay you we we already have the interviews like you know well i'm not working for free you got to pay me and he just goes off on this rant about how like everybody wants something for nothing. And when you ask for, for money, people get mad at you. And he said, don't do that because it's the amateurs that make it difficult for the professionals. It's because when you agree to a low, a low, like a low amount of money, then when the professional is asking for that, they're like, well, this guy agreed to this, you know? So it's everybody's got to have a, you know, a United front and you got to ask for what you're worth. Um, and Harlan, I always think back to that Harlan Ellison thing. Also, you know, City on the Edge of Forever is maybe the best Star Trek episode.
1: Oh, it is. I mean, we haven't got to it yet. We're doing the retro ups and downs. We haven't got to City yet. But like, I just, I can't wait because of exactly like, you know, kind of the episode is brilliant. It's got this, got this. let's talk about Harlan Ellison.
0: Have you, you ever it's seen so that? So uh, fascinating. Have you ever seen the, they, they redid, like they did a comic version of his script Yes, it's so wow. cool. Very, very weird. Very different from what they ended up doing, but it's really, really cool to see.
1: Like, that's it. Like in a way, I totally understand Star Trek in 1966. 1967 is like, well, we're not quite there yet. Like, yeah, you know, we're not
0: going to do a drug addict who's jumping down to the planet. And- yeah. <laughs> so. well, yeah, but
1: it is. It's, you know, it's a bloody fascinating story. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And- so I look I look forward to seeing you I was at episode 10, the City on the Edge of Always in a Discovery <laughs> season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Although they did do that um in Discovery, they did the they they went to the Guardian of Forever, right?
1: Oh, we 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 were all laughing because we, we all thought we were super clever, right? Because there's Carl sitting there reading the paper, and yeah. I think it's like the Daily Star or, or something, but it's and we were like, that's the exact paper they were using City of the Edge forever. So if you bit. <laughs> No, it turns out that's the paper. That's just, it's like 555 on every phone number. That's just kind right. of the paper. That's just like, oh. So we sort of accidentally got it right. All right. Okay. You know so what's let's funny, I, it.
0: I'll tell you something funny about that. My first episode I did, that Star Trek episode I did, Akiva Goldsman directed it. Uh, I love Akiva. And he's, you know, he's a Academy Award winner. He wrote Cinderella Man and uh, he also wrote Batman and Robin. But we won't hold that against him. Um, Lest
1: we ever forget.
0: <laughs> but uh, no, he's a lovely man. And, um, I remember specifically, I was walking around. So again, this is the first time Star Trek had come back. And there's this uh, set, which is now or had become uh, Sonequa's quarters. But at the time, it was like a little science lab or something. And there was a little skeleton of a Gorn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I looked at it and I was like, why is this here? And Akiva said, what do you mean? I go, the Gorn. Kirk discovers the Gorn like 50 years from now or a hundred years from now. There's no Gorn. And and I think it said Gorn or something on the little bottom. I'm like, you have to take that off. It could be that you found this skeleton. You don't know what it is, but nobody knows what the Gorn is until later. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, we'll, we'll look into it. I don't know if they ever looked into it, but that's the kind of geek I am. And I'm like, this shouldn't be here, guys. You know what? I am
1: going. I'm going to retcon whatever established history is. You, because you pointed that out, are responsible for the Gorn and Strange New Worlds. There you are. So now, there because you know, of that, Mike has now encountered the Gorn, which is before all that. And I'm going to say that's because you said.
0: Take right, that it's not because off. of me. Somebody did yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's true. The Gorn and Strange New Worlds are. Um, I don't how. I don't know how they're doing it because I did watch that episode. But when Kirk bumps into the Gorn in the original series they talk about how it's the first time they've ever seen this race. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, do you know they always, they, they've obviously
1: so long. So have watched it. Uh, arena. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, Arena. because I, uh, I mean, I, I have, a, it's it's like, I think they might come up with a story of like, Oh, and they said it was the first time. It's the first time we've seen the elderly Gorn, which is why <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's so slow. Yeah, yeah. In, I'm sure they'll come
0: up with it. When you're doing prequels, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. There's a, one other quick, I can't say exactly what happens, but there's a, <laughs> Just to show my nerdiness, there's a part in the first episode uh, that I did in in um, season five where um, I, you kind of see a part of it in the trailer, and that kind of like the it's not a desert planet, but like a you kind of saw a shop. There, uh, there's a picture it, of
1: of you and and Mall. Yeah, actually, there. where that yeah.
0: picture is right. Yeah. That scene, that's the scene. So there's a scene there where he's actually trying to um, get some information on this on this artifact he has. And he, um, but to get there, he's selling some goods and he, <laughs> hopefully is not giving it anyway, but he, um, he pulls out three things out of his bag, Lack does. And he says, well, this is what I'm selling and it's this and this and this, right? Or whatever. And it was like things like tricorder, warp core, whatever it is. Like, so there was Star Trek stuff. And the props guy comes up to me and he's like, okay, this is the order they're in the script. And he's like, and this, I'm like, that's the tricorder, that's the roll quarrel. Like, like, I totally knew exactly what the props were before. <laughs> he's like, how do you, how do you know what they, I'm like, well, because I know what a tricorder is. Like, like, so, and I remember Tunde, the, the uh, one of the showrunners, the director of the episode, he was laughing. He's like, you're the first person ever, like, to, to really, like, you know exactly what each thing was <laughs> because you're such a nerd. And it's true, man. And I stole some stuff from set that I still have. Yeah, don't tell So, hear
1: so many stories recently of just in like in, in recent years of like, oh, you can't take anything. Security's so tight. And you're kind of like, you know, but half the fun is hearing what people walked away. Oh, with. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> I, to be fair, I kind of schemed my way in, which is after we wrapped, I got people to send me stuff. Ah. And I'm like, just send me, just grab this from my character and grab this. And they're like, OK, we'll send it like the the crew people that that uh, no one will ever find out Um uh, but i you know it's nothing major but i just wanted little mementos from uh, the time i was on star trek
1: it's the captain's chair from discovery isn't it Doctor, yeah. what you're sitting yeah. in right I now
0: i stole it this is Sinequa's chair this,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> and we're and sonequa's dialing in
0: right now to go I was looking for that no. can i just say speaking of Sinequa, um Sonequa, doug ajala you know, everybody, Mary, like, the, they're all so great. Like, it really is. It's not. It's one of the best sets I've ever been on in terms of just camaraderie. Like, everybody is. It, it starts from Sonequa on down. Michelle and Tunde and all those guys are also all very, very welcoming and very great. But, in a in a TV show, there's what's called the number one on the call sheet, which is sinequa okay. right? Like, everybody gets a number. Uh... And the number one is usually kind of the leader of the show. Like I remember doing a playing a bad guy on uh, Criminal Minds and number one on Criminal Minds is Joe Mantegna. And so when we're sitting in the read through Joe shows up and he literally goes to every actor and he introduces himself because he's the number one on the call sheet. He's supposed to be kind of the leader of the show. Joe was great. And uh, I didn't have to any scenes with him, but just meeting him like there was amazing. And the fact that he did that and he introduced himself because he respects actors Sinequa, sets the tone for that show and it is such a loving family environment like I felt I didn't just feel like I do a lot of guest stars right and this wasn't a guest star to be fair but I do a lot of guest stars and um I usually feel like an outsider coming in for the week and they have their they have their set agenda and how they work and then I have to just kind of keep up and then I go I die and I go home that's usually what I do um in this case I came in and that's what I was expecting but instead it was you're now part of this whole thing and it, it stopped being it, it really wasn't um I felt outside it was hey Elias come on in and like they tore us around the set and they uh we went out for drinks and we went out for, and it's just Sonequa it's all because of Sonequa I mean, everyone's great uh Anthony and uh, Will like they're all great people But it's Sonequa on the way down from from Sonequa and down who uh, she is in charge and she sets the tone and it's like, I loved going to work, even though I had to go through the frigging process. I still specifically remember it was episode seven and I'm sitting there just waiting to start and watching Sonequa work and Anthony's there and Ajala, I mean Ajala get along great. I love David Ajala. Um, And we're, uh, we're just working and and I'm, I'm just looking around I'm like this is the best like this is what I wish I could do this for another 10 years you know like now, now when makeup notwithstanding you know mm-hmm. just like this type these type of people on a cool show where everybody's here and having a good time and we're all tired you know like we're all it's like the hour 13 everybody's tired but like because of Sonequa the crew is like super hyped you know, because she sets the tone for the crew, and she knows everybody's name, and everybody's just like she's like, "How's your son? How's there?" And she knows everything, and it's, it's great. I cannot say enough good things about Sinequa Like, and she's a wonderful actress, and she's beautiful. It's like it's like every the complete package. This person. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring her up because she really is one of the best, like number one in a call she I've ever worked with.
1: That, like, you know, your personal experience on the show is not only so wonderful to hear, which of course it is and everything, but I think look, I would I would be a fool if we didn't address the fact that poor L Discovery's got a bit of a kicking in fandom, which is not fair, of course. Yeah. You know, it becomes it becomes you know, it's like the the easy butter joke, which is stupid, because what I think is that it disrespects the amount of fun that goes into making the show. The amount of just genuinely good people. I mean, I do not have any horror stories that have ever come out of the people working on Discovery, uh, which is just wonderful. And then, so stories like this are just so lovely to hear. Um, and I yeah, want you more do want, people to hear that. Most home.
0: definitely. And you definitely want, I want people to like the show. I, I think if people give, the people that dislike Discovery coming in, I think if they give this season a chance, they'll, they'll really like it. It's, uh, everything's super fun. And the new character uh, that Callum plays, Callum's been a friend of mine for a while. Okay. um the captain Rayner, i think his name is uh he's a lot of fun too and and there's a there's just so much fun stuff that happens this season it's it's a lot it's a, it's a lot more of an adventure i think people if they give it a chance they'll the uh, i think fans of the show are going to love it and people that have been hesitant to uh to back the show i think they're they're gonna they're gonna really like it too it just has that really fun feeling and, and man, I'm telling you, as a fan, there's some stuff that they are throwing back to that you're just like, oh, damn. <laughs> oh.
1: Especially the episode where Shatner guest stars and you kill him. I think that's just incredible. Yeah, this they... We're actually going to shoot him in the back as opposed to...
0: Just <laughs> that's them. right. It was the original thing that they were yeah. going to do <laughs> Generations. <laughs> you know what the thing about Generations is I always go, why did Picard choose to bring Shatner or Kirk to the bridge when you could go anywhere at any time why not go to 10 forward and punch Malcolm McDowell in the face
1: or, or, or like hey Jim go back in time to the Enterprise B you know and just be yeah. like ah, maybe we shouldn't fly in there but don't worry they're all fine they're going to end up with the Nexus. although we need Guinan mm. right we'll have to pick the right time <laughs> but if but. There's
0: any time you can go just go like I said go back to 10 forward and punch Sauron in the face there you go done instead I mean, of fighting him on a bridge
1: can I talk to you here in this break for a second? Oh yes, of yeah. course. Wait a minute. Oh.
0: <laughs> but that's Star uh, Trek, right? Like that's science fiction in general. There's always going to be like, why didn't you just do this or why didn't they do that? But you know, it is what it is. But it's hard. You're, not to you're, love, you're, it's hard not to love that movie with uh, Shatner and uh, Stewart in it together, and Malcolm McDowell.
1: There's like, like, like really good. You without going like we always obviously you know we do are lists of best scenes, best scenes. Kirk and Picard in the cabin. Is a top five scene oh, of right whatever right. for me. It. It's just like this is pure fan indulgence, and it's perfect. I you love know it. that
0: I still every everybody has these with movies, but I still go dill the way. He does. <laughs> every time I see like a pickle or something, I just go dill. The way,
1: the way I love the because there's a universe where you know Picard walks through the door and ends up in the stable. This isn't your bedroom, Kirk. Just goes, yes, it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what I would have loved. There now we're just geeking out, but you know what would have been so cool. If it wasn't, what's her name? Like Apollonia or whatever. If it was if it was like Mark Carol Marcus. I don't know why they didn't do that. That would have been cool.
1: I, Joe, I, I don't know for a fact whether they just said, we don't want to get into it, or maybe there rights. You know, whoever had the right. I mean, I don't. Maybe. I don't,
0: but you know what's interesting? This is not an insult in any way, because some of the best Star Trek ever is by Nicholas Meyer, who knew nothing about Star Trek. Yep. Right. But there were. Times on Discovery where I was like, "Why do you not know that, guys? You guys are making a Star Trek show," but it, that's just me being like super geeky. Um, and sometimes, like it is, it, you don't need to if you want to make, tell a good story. It's almost better if you don't. No, like, I think like, there's wow. a lot to be said for that. Yeah, there. Is. Um, so I, I get it, but there is a geek part of me that's like, that should have been Carol Marcus, <laughs> but you know.
1: in a version of reality, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, you why know. Not? I'm looking yeah. at it that way. Um, I'm going to i come up to the end of because thank you so You've been so generous with your time and, and thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, there's a couple of things I wanted to say. First of all, you've been in so many of my favourite properties. It's it's getting ridiculous yeah. at this point. So, like, <laughs> thanks. Um, Looks that you want at Atlantis, man, as a replicator. That's cool. Oh, my
0: God. That was, that was another example of getting a job and going, wait, this is a lot smaller than they said it was going to be. <laughs> I, I know. Initially it, was, it was like... like
1: dozens and dozens like you know kind of oh there's a guy for a second and you know kind of yeah but it
0: had initially it was like a bigger lead replicator or something i don't remember but i got to work with macgyver and um i got to work with robert picardo a little bit which was cool oh yeah of course then yeah which was which was nice because i've always liked him as an actor he was nice um but that was an example that's a perfect example of uh just feeling like an outsider just coming in and feeling like an outsider uh because it, it wasn't my part wasn't important so it's like it was like a glorified glorified extra part uh so i did feel like am i just going to work and go home go to work and go home um but also that was really early in my career yeah they shot all those in vancouver that's when i lived in vancouver yeah.
1: there was there was this funny thing particularly around that time and actually thinking of colin keith Rennie as well where it was just like if you saw anywhere like any film tv show was filming in around vancouver it's just like do they just they move actors. from set to set?
0: That's exact. You're not wrong. There's like a pool of of you know fifty actors. Uh, you know, there's a lot more than fifty, but fifty working oh. actors. Yeah. Uh, and it was always like with me, I was like on Smallville, then I was on Supernatural, and then I was it's just like you just bounce around uh, because you know that's that's how, what it's like being an actor in a in a certain kind of part where they shoot stuff. And you can always see, you know, like, oh, that's uh, not New York. That's that's downtown Vancouver. <laughs> I did a movie. I did a movie in uh, uh, a great movie called The Five People You Meet in Heaven, which I still think is a fantastic movie uh, with John Voight and Michael Imperioli. And Jeff Daniels, my first kind of really big movie movie. And we shot that at a place called Langley just out of uh, outside of Vancouver. And it was supposed to be the Philippines. Yeah. They just brought in palm trees. and <laughs> But it's just a forest in eastern uh, western Canada. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to be a prisoner camp uh, in World War II in the Philippines. Um, that's movie magic for you.
1: Like that. Like like that's great. That's like you, you'd almost imagine at some point, uh, And now I say this, sorry, I, I haven't seen the scene, so it does imagine at some point. Like you know, pause, and the director walks out. It's like now we're gonna need you to suspend some disbelief here for a <laughs> second, okay? You know, we're gonna superimpose a sun in the sky. You're gonna yeah. pretend it's the.
0: Oh, you know what? To finish up with discovery, you know it's really cool is the uh the AR wall. Have you heard about the AR? Wall? I have we have yeah.
1: we've heard of nothing else for three years cuz it's 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 such a leap forward in basically not having to go to planet hell every week.
0: Yeah, and it's which um, what they do on Mandalorian, right? With What they yeah. I think invented for Mandalorian and then basically I think the Paramount people got like other people like could you do what they did? <laughs> I think that's what they did. And they built it up in like northern uh, just north of Toronto. And uh it's amazing, man there's a whole I only there was one episode that I got to work on that was all about my character that was on that stage and it was like a week and a bit that I was there and it's incredible it's just you know you know what it is it's like not 360 but almost 360 of LED screens all around you and then on the ceiling too and then uh the crazy thing about it, the really interesting thing about the AR wall is that if you and I are doing a scene and um, the camera's behind me and the camera's moving, the AR wall behind you adjusts with the camera. Oh. So it's great for camera because that's exactly how it would work if it was an actual 3D thing as opposed to like just like a matte painting or something, you know, like a green screen or whatever. But it makes me sick. Because I'm standing there, and the walls going like. <laughs> but they actually hand out like um whatever it is that you to get not to get sick, whatever those pills are. I that don't you think take before you get on a plane or Dramamine or whatever they're. Gotcha. I don't know the name they, of them, but yeah. Yeah, they give. They actually have them on the set. I'm like, if you need these, take them because you might get sick if you're staring at something and the background is moving, <laughs> and you think you're moving. It's crazy tech. But they. But the great thing about it is they don't rely on it. At least for Star Trek, is they don't rely on it and go, there's nothing and then the AR wall. They build an entire set that leads into the AR wall. Mm. You know, like there were, again, I don't want to give anything away, there were like pieces of the set that extended through the, the AR wall. So it made it look like it's miles and miles long, but it's actually only, you know, like a tennis court, you know, like that kind of thing. It's uh, amazing tech. And I was really happy that I got to work on that. I have all this I have all this stuff on my phone that I can't wait to show. I have so much I have so many friggin' pictures. Uh Mika Burton, uh Lavar's oh, yeah. daughter. Yeah, she uh, she and I are friends and she she kept saying, I have so many pictures. She's before her stuff on Picard came out, she said, I have so many pictures I want to show everybody. Uh because you just sit there and you're taking, but you're not supposed to. There's signs everywhere that say don't take pictures. Of course. And everyone is taking pictures. Um, So I have so many. I have a great, I I can't share this until it comes out. It doesn't give anything away, but I'm not going to, not going to break any rules. But there's a great footage that my wife took of me FaceTiming my kids and like eating lunch, but in the full mask. So I'm like, yeah, no, 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 it's great, amazing. (laughs) But I have this full lack mask on. She's like, it's so funny just to watch you eat. that thing and talk to your kids like a dad (laughs) so i have all that kind of stuff but i can't wait to i can't wait to share yeah i'm really looking forward to like this push i really want to get this get this out there and see how people like it i hope they i hope they I hope they like it i think they will
1: i think uh, i mean obviously look Easier to say, like it's gonna be great, it's gonna be brilliant. I think, based on what we've seen, based on what we've heard, based on what people are saying, it's gonna be a fun season. That's what I want going in. If it's, it's definitely fun, gonna be a I'm fun sold. season, Do you know what whether I mean?
0: they whether they like whether they like where we where they go with it or not, but uh, it it's a fun season. It really just have an old school feel. It, they really, really, they really succeeded. I think this year, just as a fan, you know, I mean, I haven't seen it obviously, but I've read the entire season, and um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, the, I think people are really going to like it. It's super fun. It really is.
1: I Sorry, sorry. I can't wait for the ups and downs for it. Obviously, because you came on, I'll give you an extra up on one of the episodes. be no problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, it's, we're just, I, I both really wanted to be here, but then I don't want it to be finished either. So it's kind of a weird middle ground, but it's a happy middle ground at the same time.
0: I'm just not going to say anything else, <laughs> but it's it's good. It's good. Yeah. I I don't want to get in. I like I feel like Michelle and Tunde are like, I'm watching I don't don't say anything. And like, yeah, but what my character is, turns out how what he turns out to be is huge for Star Trek and what like it's. Uh, yeah, no, I can't. We'll, we'll talk again. We'll do another one of these like after the season, errors.
1: So right, we well, talk,
0: because you want to talk specifics. Trust me.
1: I got I'm both really happy you told me that. And I was like, ah, dude, all right, but no, that's fine. That's fine. It's Grant. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just enjoy it. And I'm gonna be like, you know, kinda like, you know, the the, the finale would have just like aired or like you know, let's say it airs at eight PM at nine oh one. You know, like, hey, it's got <laughs> Yeah, Sean's already trying to zoom me. Okay, Grant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know what? Actually, by the big reveal of what my guy is is like only the is like the fifth episode.
1: So we get some time with it as well. Yeah, okay, incredible. that I like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, again, I'm, uh, I might get in trouble. I'm gonna stop talking.
1: Okay, cool. Well, I okay, tell Right. So super excited. I'm gonna really, really quickly. So from Chris, I'm to tell you that uh, he can't find Cora those books anywhere from Starfield.
0: Starfield. Okay. Yeah, I wish they would have made uh, made it uh, made it possible to give her presents like books. They don't can't do that. Maybe they'll fix that in an update. That's one thing about Starfield that I will say is that uh, their plan, as far as I know, is to continually update the game. So there's going to be all sorts of additional stuff over the next few years.
1: That's really cool, though. Because, yeah. um, I mean, I, I'm i a well-documented as going, the last time I played a game, it was Tekken 3. It was great. But, you know, you played it, you finished it. Simple as.
0: Kind of, uh, those days are kind of over.
1: Yeah. I think. So. For example, I was like, what do you mean you haven't bought a disc? <laughs> well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know that that's a while ago in fact yeah. even by saying that chris is probably going to kill me he's like sean you're not supposed to give that kind of ignorance away um <laughs> i have a message as well from jack kiley which is really good and actually i i want to parrot this as well um the way you shut down some of those homophobic trolls after they were coming <laughs> after it, it was just brilliant to see so just cheers for that
0: Thanks. Nice. To be fair, it's pretty easy when it comes to those morons. Um, it's just silly. It's silly nowadays. It's just silly. <laughs> it's like, just get over it, guys. It's not it's not worth it. I just don't see how maybe it's just me being being naive. But I, I, I don't see how these this mindset still exists. Like, I can't. It, it's so unimportant to those people. Like, sorry, it is important. But on a grand scheme of things, it should be completely unimportant to them about who loves what. and. Uh, but for some reason, you know, it's very important to them. I don't get it. They,
1: these, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Elias, I just want to say thank you so much. You're a legend, you're awesome. Um, I am, um, I'm really glad we didn't have to put you through four hours of makeup for this. But, uh, you know, if we come no, up no, with a character that you can play, I did. This,
0: is all, this is all four hours of makeup. Th-
1: that's the second thing I've got wrong on this podcast. I am not good about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're you're a star. Uh, obviously, everyone, uh, if they aren't already, they can follow you on Twitter.
0: Yeah, and Instagram. I'm not. I mean, I'm not that big of a social media guy, but uh, I'm on there. I'm on there.
1: Excellent, cool. So let let the follow. I was going to say let the follows begin. Everyone watching this is almost definitely already following you. <laughs> so, uh, but if you gain any more, there you go. Um, and yeah, I I think the best thing I could say is thank you in advance. For everything with the A.C. with um, you know with starter discovery in general, thank you already for starter discovery for getting your ass kicked by Sanigua, amazing, and yeah, to say that you know we'd love to have you back on anytime goes without saying, but we'd love to have you back on any time.
0: We'll talk. Well, trust me, you're going to want to talk after the after the uh, the season because there's so much that happens. Uh, so I hope you guys like it, and we'll talk. We'll talk when it's done.
1: One hundred percent. In in the meantime. You're amazing. You're brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks.